0: So glad you could join us. As they were singing the song of of how the Lord surrounds us, it reminded me, so I just came back from a trip to Israel with 20 other people from Connection Point Church, and and one of the places we visited was the city of David, and we were standing on this rooftop, and we were reading through Psalm 121, because you can get the context of this psalm as you're sitting there and you're, you're surrounded by mountains. I want to read that psalm with you just as an encouragement before we get into the message today on... Fear, faith, and the power of love. But here's what the psalmist writes. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. So we were standing on this rooftop in the city of David, and, and there is this looking up to, to be able to see the hills that you're surrounded by in Jerusalem. But the psalmist writes, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What an encouraging psalm. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he keeps Israel. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Aren't we glad that we serve a God who doesn't slumber? He's not asleep right now. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Here's a great one. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. What a great verse. Psalm 121 verse 7. The Lord will keep your going and out and your coming from this time forth and forevermore. It is truly the Lord who keeps us. I want you to know that this morning. And, and so it's been interesting. We're in an interesting situation right now as we, we look at the world at large, and we were navigating some of that as we were overseas at the time, and, and not in a place really affected by uh, COVID-19, but, but still trying to manage how do we fly back through a safe route, and we're able to, to do that. Uh, but I will say, too, you know, whenever you're facing challenges, one of the things the Lord gives us... In the midst of that is humor. So I don't know if you've been able to see some of the memes that have come out as a part of this COVID-19. Uh, a couple of my favorites, uh, one person had, had written, you know, people are so scared right now, you could hold up a bank with a booger. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, another person shared, I'd seen a meme that said, if you need 144 toilet paper rolls for a 14 day quarantine, maybe you should have seen the doctor long before COVID-19. I thought that was pretty good. Um, another, another favorite I had is, is they said, okay, it's come to our attention. Chuck Norris has now contracted the coronavirus. So the coronavirus now needs to be quarantined for 14 days. So I just I would encourage you this morning to say that, that humor, the Lord gives us humor to deal with challenging circumstances. Shelly and I learned, learned that overseas as we lived in interesting parts and places of this world. and So don't run from humor. It releases good and positive chemicals in our brain that we need. As we deal with challenges. You know, this morning uh, we did plan on continuing our series in Acts, The Church on the Move, but with everything going on in the world right now, we felt like it would be worthwhile to take a few weeks to talk about fear and faith. And I would say this what I have found is fear is based on what if, whereas faith is built on even if. You see the difference? That, that fear is based on what if while faith is built on even if. And it's an important principle today as we look at a passage of Scripture that helps us understand our ability to live fearless lives as followers of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I do invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning. I'm going to be looking at verses 6 through 14 today. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, looking at verses 6 through 14. So here's what we find in in verse 6. Paul writing to a a spiritual mentee of his, Timothy, he says, Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to us. These are God's words for us today. So Paul, a follower of Jesus, he's, he's writing this letter to his spiritual mentee, Timothy, one of them. And and he opens this letter with a greeting and an encouragement to be strong and courageous because the Spirit of God is with Timothy. From this passage, we learn how to live a fearless life and why it's important we live fearless as we follow Jesus. Our passage points out that we can live fearless lives with the Holy Spirit. We can live fearless lives with the Holy Spirit. So Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. But the question is, what is the gift that Paul's talking about? And there is some debate among scholars. You know, is Paul referring to the spiritual gifts we, we find in Ephesians 4 of pastor, apostle, prophet, and, and the like? Is Paul referring to the spiritual gifts like that of knowledge and discernment and, and healing? As you look through and, and examine the context, what it, it really points to is it looks like Paul is referencing the source of all of these gifts— The gift of the Holy Spirit. The language of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is found throughout New Testament passages. And Paul says what this gift would lead to. As we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, it leads to power and love and self-control. Some translations would point out it leads to a sound mind. So we read in Acts 1 a couple of weeks ago as we kicked off our series in Acts that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Paul is telling Timothy, fan into flame the gift of the Holy Spirit, which will lead you into greater power and love and sound-mindedness. We need power to overcome fear. And what that tells us is, is a Christian without power is a Christian who needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see this later in Acts where some believers, they're gathered together and they're in prayer. And here's what we find, that the place in which they were gathered, so these these believers are there, they're in prayer, it was shaken. Can you imagine that? That's some powerful prayer time. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So these believers that we find here in Acts chapter 4, they'd already been filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. You can take a look at those passages together. And so what we find, though, in Acts chapter 4 is that they are refilled with the Spirit. If you look at the original language behind this verse, it says that they are be, being filled. It's this ongoing thing that needs to occur in the life of every believer. It's an ongoing work. So Paul is encouraging Timothy here to be refilled with the Spirit. And I would say that we need that ourselves. I need it. And Shelley needs it, and and our kids need it. We all need to be refilled with his spirit to fan into flame the gift which has been given to us. And I would say God wants to do it for us that he wants to replace the spirit of fear with the Holy Spirit, which leads to power and love and self control. Because here's what we find in Luke chapter 11 Jesus says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It is God's desire that we receive the Holy Spirit. As I was uh, praying over this this morning, the the pastors gathered early to pray today, and and I was thinking about the the message, and and what the Lord brought to my mind as I came to this point is Acts chapter 10, Peter goes and visits Cornelius' household in, in Caesarea, And it says, even in the midst of the message, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And I just thought it'd be worthwhile for us to pause and pray that your homes be filled with the Holy Spirit, even now as we get into this message. God, I just pray right now that you would fill every heart and household with your Spirit. God, we need your Holy Spirit. It is what is required to replace any spirit of fear that's in our hearts. So God, I ask for it right now. Lord, fill this sanctuary with your Holy Spirit. Fill every home across the greater Lafayette area with your Holy Spirit. We need your power, Jesus, to be able to live the lives that you've called us to live in your name. And so, Lord, we just ask that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask and we pursue this refilling because we need the result that comes from it. And the result is the removal of that spirit of fear. It's replaced with power and love and a sound mind. So one of the things we receive with Holy Spirit baptism is the power to love well, But what does it look like to love well in our current situation? I I don't know if you've asked yourself that question. You know, that question of what does love require of us? We've talked about that question. And I would say that love requires we serve as good neighbors. And that's probably going to mean different things according to the neighbors that we have. So one of the things I want to be very careful of this morning is that I'm in no way saying that those people who go on living their lives with minimal disruption are those living in faith. While those who cancel travel plans make arrangements to work from home and avoid large events are people living in fear. I'm in no way saying that this morning. That's not what I'm trying to communicate today as we address fear and faith. Now, I do also want to say, make no mistake, a spirit of fear could lead to panic chaos and a sort of doomsday prepping that's neither warranted nor particularly helpful. I think we've seen some of that this past week. But I think as we take a look at what it looks like to be people of faith is we serve as good neighbors, when we ask, "What does love require of me?" we serve as good neighbors by becoming the first line of defense for people included in the at-risk population for COVID-19. And who is at risk? We go to the, the CDC website, it says that it's older adults, people with chronic medical conditions like heart disease, diabetes and lung disease. So those not at risk have the capacity to halt this disease in its tracks by using their own health as a human shield to help others, to keep others from getting it. You know, I'm healthy, Shelly's healthy, our kids are healthy, but that doesn't mean we don't make adjustments to our lives in the coming weeks. It means we serve as good neighbors by maybe changing some of our daily routines. It may be inconvenient to more regularly wash your hands, to, to not touch your face, to use hand sanitizer, but it seems like a pretty simple way to love your neighbor as yourself. What more loving thing can we do than disrupt our, our daily routines in ways that we don't want to for the sake of others. Philippians 2.4 encourages us, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's counterintuitive in our individualized culture, because loving others often requires sacrifice. If it didn't, everyone would do it more willingly. So looking after the sick, as we're encouraged to do as followers of Jesus, might mean temporarily adjusting our routine to the unique times we find ourselves in. This isn't giving in to fear. It's responding to the needs of people at risk with a strategic, sacrificial love that could be the difference between life and death. And in this case, the life you save might not be necessarily your own. So I would say let's love well by taking extra measures toward healthy living and ask Jesus to fill you, that he might fill us with the Holy Spirit in order to remove a spirit of fear and replace it with power and love in a sound mind, because we can live fearless lives with the Holy Spirit. And I would also say this as we look at our passage this morning, that we should live fearless lives as good news carriers, that we can with the Holy Spirit, but we also should as good news carriers. Paul encourages Timothy to be refilled with the Holy Spirit in order to share the good news that Jesus came. Here's what Paul writes, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death. Let me say that again. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So during this time when people are naturally fearful about death, we can supernaturally proclaim that Jesus has destroyed death. Jesus has destroyed death. What good news? So I shared that the past couple of weeks we were in Israel with some other people from Connection Point. We were on a Bible Lands tour learning more about Scripture. And and so it was interesting trying to get back that we needed to make sure to fly back through a safe route. So then our flights through Europe were canceled, and, and so we wound up flying uh, through Jordan so that we could get back to Chicago. So we were delayed a day, but we got back on Friday and, and glad to be back home. But before we flew out, so we flew out really early on Friday morning from the International Airport in Tel Aviv. And and so before we flew out, I was just gonna pick up some breakfast from one of the cafes they have there. And I've gotten in the habit, if I have time, to interact with whoever's checking me out and just ask them, how are they doing? And I think that's a great question for us right now to ask. How are you doing? So I asked this, this Israeli, how are you doing? And, and he said, I'm scared. I'm scared of the coronavirus. And, and he called over a colleague because he didn't speak real good English. And and so the colleague comes over and he says, so he, he wanted to tell you, he said that you asked why he looked sad. That's not what I asked, but that's what he interpreted. And he said he wanted to share he's sad because he's afraid to die. Okay, talk about a very easy opportunity to share the good news that Jesus destroyed death. And so we just got to have a real easy conversation to share that we don't need to be afraid of death. And, and, and when I shared that, they said, well, why? Why are you not afraid to die? And so then we talked about how Jesus promises everlasting life. And, and so at this time where people are afraid of death, we have an extraordinary opportunity to share the good news that Jesus destroyed death. So I would encourage you, if you're out and about, you know, there's this, this tension that we have of we, it's, it's worthy to quarantine, to be able to do, practice social distancing, to protect the vulnerable, but there's also this opportunity that we are hope-filled carriers that we have a hope that the hopeless need. And so we want to share that too. So as you're out and about, because you're going to need some groceries at some point, ask people how they're doing and watch as the Lord uses that as an opportunity to share some good news. People are looking for hope right now and Jesus is that hope. So let's not keep him to ourselves. He's meant to be shared. And I would say part of sharing that good news is proclaiming it, saying it, but it's also showing it too. You know, there's, there's easy things like the Nextdoor app. If you're on that in your neighborhood, could you post? Does anybody need anything? Any groceries? Make yourself available to not only proclaim the good news, but to show it in action too. The Christian community has been good at this for the last 2,000 years. So one of the ruins we visited while we were in Israel was the city of Caesarea. So here's the, the Roman theater that's there in that city. And I think we could learn much from the Christians who used to live there. At the beginning of the 4th century, this city experienced the Plague of Justinian, which according to records killed 26% of the inhabitants worldwide. So the reaction was very predictable. People started fleeing for refuge in the surrounding fields. But curiously, a group of people decided to stay instead of fleeing. Who were those people? Christians. A church historian and bishop who was living in Caesarea at the time, he recorded the following about Jesus' followers during the plague. Every day, some continued caring for the sick, for there were multitudes who had no one to care for them. Others collected in one place those who were afflicted by the famine throughout the entire city and gave bread to them all, so that this thing became reported abroad among all men. And they glorified the God of the Christians and, convinced by the facts themselves, confessed that they alone were truly pious and religious. It was because of these acts that according to this church historian, the name of Christians was on everyone's lips. What an incredible opportunity to be a witness to others. And, And what we find in this historical account is that everyone had the name of Christians on their lips, so much to the point that a couple of decades later, Emperor Julian, the last pagan ruler of the empire, he acknowledged the following, when I think the poor and sick were neglected by our priests, so these pagan priests, I think of the fact that the ungodly Galileans, that's what he labels them, the Christians, they observed this and dedicated themselves to philanthropy, not only to their sick, but to ours. When we take care of people around us, the world notices. Christian compassion amidst pestilence and disease caused so much impact on the population that during the Antonian Plague in the second century, the Caprinian Plague in the third century, and the Justinian Plague, significant in- in- increases in conversions in faith are recorded. This is in history. And why is this? Because among other things, pestilence and pandemics have the characteristic of putting into perspective just how fragile life is. It's not without reason that biblical writer James claims that life is a fog. Why are people hoarding things? Why? Because they feel like life is out of control and they can control buying things. It helps them feel like they're a bit more in control. This is a great opportunity for us to share that we don't have to be in control because God is in control. He loves us and we can trust him. London Metropolitan Tabernacle preacher Charles Spurgeon during an outbreak of cholera in 1854 said, if there's a time when the mind is sensitive, it's when death seems to be near. I remember the first time I arrived in London, how attentive people were to the preaching of the gospel because cholera was dropping terribly. There was very little mockery then. It's a great opportunity for us. I think that it was interesting. In fact, I loved hearing that in the midst of the worst of the Wuhan province outbreak of COVID-19, the Christians went out in mass to share their faith, to pray for the sick, and do whatever they could to help others. It's a wonderful response. They understood that ultimately this is an internal matter. May we also look at it through that lens. Let's make ourselves available to do whatever we can to help others during this time. And to that end, I'd like to encourage you, as Shelley did during our time of giving, to be faithful in your giving. We know that in the coming weeks we'll encounter needs, we have opportunity to meet, and we'd like to meet them, but we'll need resources to do it. So please continue to be faithful in your giving, or begin to give if you haven't in the past. It's a great time to do so. We know the needs are going to be great in our church family and also in the community in which we live. So help us make a difference by giving selflessly in the coming weeks. What if God has given us an opportunity to pray and to see him move powerfully in our church, in our community, in our nation, and in the world? What if a great awakening occurs because people start to lean on God in ways they haven't in the past? We just had a series about it, and this could very well be a part of that. We'd like to have resources available to help meet the needs we're sure to encounter, so thank you in advance for helping us in this way. Don't hold back from God. Continue to trust in him. And let's see him move mightily during this time. Because it's because of him that we can live fearless lives. I'm going to invite our music team to come back this morning and they're going to close us in song. But why is it that we can live these fearless lives? It's because we have the Holy Spirit and because Jesus destroyed death. So while people are worried about the future... Let's be the good news carriers Jesus desires us to be, people filled with Holy Spirit power in order to live well, to love well, and to maintain a sound mind. There's this tension, and you're going to have to ask the Lord for wisdom in it, of the opportunity to be good news carriers while at the same time making sure that we're caring for the vulnerable and those at risk. So my prayer for all of us is that we seek the Holy Spirit and ask, how can I be a good neighbor? How can I love well during this time? I do love the encouragement that Paul closes with. He says, I am convinced that he is able. May you be encouraged by that today. He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So I would say let's guard the good deposit that the Lord has given us by asking Jesus to fill us with his spirit, because he is able. God, we just thank you that you are able, that you have offered us this this free gift of Holy Spirit power, which helps us to love well and maintain a sound mind. So Jesus, I pray that for everyone listening to this message this morning, listening to this message throughout this day, I pray, Jesus, you fill them with your Holy Spirit power that they might love well, that they might have wisdom and how they can serve as good neighbors at this time. Be that through making sure to distance well from others or to be able to engage others who need help. I pray, Jesus, that we would provide hope to the hopeless, that we would be the church that you've called us to be, that we might see others begin to lean on you because they realize that what they've been trusting in, it's false, that there's no foundation there, but you are a steady and sure foundation. So God, I pray that we lean into you today. Pray that we lean on you in the coming weeks that we know that we can put our faith and hope and trust in you, that you have the whole world in your hands. And so God, lead us today as we close in song. I pray, Jesus, that you would remove any spirit of fear that's existing in the hearts of anyone listening today, but Lord, that you would replace it with your Holy Spirit. And then Lord, help us to love well all those that are around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.